How's everybody doing? Good, all right, awesome to see you. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here. Those of you who are here in the room, those of you who are worshiping with us online, really glad to have you. If you are newer to Christ's community, we haven't met you yet, we'd sure love the opportunity to do so. And uh, you can do that, those of you who are in the room, there's a QR code on the seat back in front of you. And um, if you just shoot that, I'll take you to our Connect card, or you can walk out and give your information to the welcome desk. Those of you who are online, you can hit the connect button and uh, that'll connect you to our online card and we'd love to get a chance to meet you. Uh, so happy Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day weekend. Can we give our moms a round of applause? All right, I'm gonna have to like, either they want me to hurry up, what I can remember or something. All right, here we go. So I was, um, for Mother's Day, I, I'm not on social media, so, but I ran across this little tweet that kind of summed it all up, if I'm not a mom, as you can tell. But um, I had a mom, and I, I have four kids, so I've watched a lot of it. Tweet was, um, I'm just a mom standing in my kid's room asking why there are fruit snacks on the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> that just seems to be the whole deal, right there, wrapped up into one little statement. So um, for those of you moms in the room, happy Mother's Day, we honor you, we bless you. And uh, could I just pray a prayer of blessing over our moms and over Mother's Day? This is not always easy for everybody. So. So Father, we, we are here this weekend, um, we're grateful for this chance to, to honor our moms in the context of worship. And so I pray that they would experience just your blessing and your well done in, in the business of motherhood and joys and struggles, the pain that comes with all of that. And just acknowledging before you that this is a, this is a weekend that's hard for a lot of people. Maybe our moms have predeceased us, um, maybe people who wanna be mom and that just hasn't happened yet, um, difficult relationships with mom. Um, there's a lot of reasons that this is a hard weekend and so asking you to speak your grace and your peace into um, all of our lives and thank you so much for being um, over all of this and near to us in both the celebration and the struggles. And Jesus, we pray these things in your name, amen. So um, we're in this series as church that's called What If He Does? And what this series is about is just, it's a look at several different promises that God has made to us as his people. And what we know from our own experience is our tendency is to see a promise that God has made and his promises always push us out of our comfort zone. They, they lead us to places that maybe we wouldn't just go. And, and so we, we look at those promises and our natural tendency is to ask the question, well, what if he doesn't come through? Like, what if God doesn't come through? What, what's gonna happen to me if, if I live on my side of the promise but God doesn't do what he said he would do? And so we, we end up crafting some plan Bs for our lives. We put our own safety nets in place and, and we live life trying to protect ourselves instead of in the joy and the freedom and the hope that comes with this different question by looking at these promises of God, what if he does? Like what if God actually does what he said he would do? What, what could my life look like if I would just run into the big yes that he's saying over me and give him the same kind of yes, what, what could my life be like? And so this whole series is we're just asking this question, 
What if he does? What if God actually does for us what he says that he will do? How will that change my life? And so this weekend, what we're talking about is we're talking about a promise that God has made to us, particularly in seasons of suffering. I was kind of chuckling to myself about like Mother's Day. Really, of, like of all the sermons for Mother's Day, a sermon on suffering and what God says into all that. And then I was thinking like, yeah, really. Because um, moms, like you get it, right? There, nobody breaks your heart like your kids and nobody struggles like moms do when kids are struggling. So there's, there's a lot that we can take from this um, on a Mother's Day weekend. And it raises, it raises pain, it surfaces pain in our lives. And so I think this is a good time to, to share with you what God says into the lives of people who suffer. So to jump into that, I would like to read to you from 1 Peter chapter one. I'm gonna read verses three through seven and just kind of talk about this for a little bit because there's this beautiful promise to people who suffer in here and then, and then how we can experience the blessings of this promise. So praise be to God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So I want us to kind of dial in on three words, really, from that last line. Praise, glory, and honor. And, and all this is happening, it's pointing to a future day when Jesus Christ is revealed. So there's a day in the past when Jesus showed up. We celebrate that at Christmas. He came to live amongst us. He came as a baby and he grew into a man. And he died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. And then he ascended back to heaven. So right now he is in heaven, hidden, right? We don't see him. And there is a day coming when he will be revealed again. And on that day, he will not show up in our world as a little baby born in an out-of-the-way place to young parents. He's gonna come back as king of kings and as lord of lords, leader of the armies of heaven. I mean, when he shows up on that day, that's gonna be, like, it's, a, it's an amazing thing, the way he's coming back in all the glory and power that he possesses will be on full display. Jesus Christ will be revealed. And those three words at the end of that last little line, praise, glory, and honor. So if you're a Christian person, the thought of Jesus coming back, his second coming, and when he shows up with the hosts of heaven and the, all the fanfare that's going to accompany that, when he shows up, for, for those of us who've been in this stuff, we it, praise, glory, and honor, of course. Right, of course, praise, glory, and honor to him as king of kings and lord of lords, and he will receive from humankind his due. And, and so that's the first way that this praise, glory, and honor is speaking, but then there's this other way, and this is the part 
that if you've been in church circles for very long, this might feel a little sideways or upside down to you. There will also be praise, glory, and honor from Jesus to those of us who have endured suffering, trials, difficulties well. So we're pretty comfortable with the idea of Jesus receiving praise, glory, and honor from us, but you might not be so settled with the idea of him giving, sharing praise, glory, and honor with us. But you gotta know, like, God's not a taker, he's a giver. And, and so this, this idea of praise, glory, and honor, like he is going to receive it and then he is going to share it with us. And I wanna show you from a few places in the Bible where this shows up, just so that you know what we're talking about to get to this promise that God has made. So the first word, praise, Jesus told a story speaking of this last day of judgment day where those who had been faithful, faithful servants of the master receive from the master praise, that sentence, well done, good and faithful servant. And so the master looks at the servant and offers praise to the servant for the way that that servant has served. And so, so Jesus telling this story says, hey, there's, there's a day coming when, when our Father, God, who is over us, looks at us if we have served him well and says this, well done. Like there's, there's praise that he gives to his people for the way that they serve him. And that's not happening just at the end date. We don't serve God faithfully and our whole lives wonder whether or not he's pleased, whether or not he is, like, he's, like we're on the right track, whether we're living in obedience to him. He whispers his well done to our hearts as we go along. He offers us praise to, to keep us moving forward. It's this praise that we receive from him. Glory, the Apostle Paul writing in Romans is particularly writing about our suffering and how when we share in the sufferings of Jesus, we also will share in his glory. You and I, of our own, we don't have any, we don't have any real glory to, like, to reflect back to God that generates from us. It is all a reflection from him to us, then back to him, and, but we get to participate in his glory and he will share his glory with us if we suffer well with him. And then honor, the thought of Jesus honoring me is, I, I struggle with that. But he was really clear with his followers. He said, my father will honor the one who serves me. And so he, he holds out this notion that People who serve Jesus, who give their lives to him and live in obedience to him, follow and walk in his way, for those people, there is indeed honor from God. And so again, like we, we live as Christian people, we live with a great deal of comfort that, that we offer praise, glory, and honor to God for who he is and for what he has done. But we also need to recognize that that he also will let us share in the praise and the glory and the honor that belong to him. He'll let us share in that. Like he's gonna, he's gonna send that back to us. And so for people who suffer, because those words that we read in 1 Peter there, that last little line of 1 Peter is talking about that, that we, if we suffer, we get to, like he's, there's gonna be praise, glory, and honor when Jesus shows up. And so 
what I would say the promise that you and I can take from this first Peter passage for those of us who suffer is there's a day coming when your suffering is gonna be worth it. Your suffering is gonna be worth it. If, here's the if on that. If you will, in the words of the verse that we just read, if you will allow that suffering to prove your faith. So Peter writes about there, you've had to endure various kinds of trials and suffering. You've suffered through a variety of things. He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily say, hey, there's just this one kind of suffering. But if you will allow the sufferings that, that you experience to prove the genuineness of your faith, what is waiting for you in eternity is praise, glory, and honor from our God. And when he speaks his praise, his glory, his honor into and over you for the way that you suffered, be totally worth it. So I wanna talk about suffering and about how we, how we can suffer in a way that proves the genuineness of our faith. So let me start just by talking about suffering and really the source of, of suffering in our lives. So if, if I was just gonna put one thing on it, we suffer because, like it's Genesis three. In Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter two, that's the account of God's creation of the world and everything in it. And at the end of all of that, he looked and he saw that it was very good. And, and humankind was living in a garden. Adam and Eve, our first parents, were in deep relationship with God, open, transparent, vulnerable relationship with him, open, transparent, vulnerable, and safe relationship with each other. And in Genesis chapter three, Satan comes to them and tempts them, talks to them about, like, throws shade on the character of God and offers them an opportunity to rebel and they took it. And when, when they ate the forbidden fruit, broke everything, messed every, like totally transformed everything in our world, everything that you and I experience today, it's just, it is so far below what God made it to be. And so the reason you and I suffer, suffering was not created into the fabric of our world. Our first father, Adam, opened the door and let death and evil in, and because he allowed death and evil in, then you and I get to live in the downstream of all of that. So that is the big picture. Why is there suffering in our world? It's because we, as people, sinned. Now, if I was gonna kind of take that and try to break it down a little bit farther, I think there are five main reasons that, that we suffer under the overarching heading of our parents, our first parents sinned, and and I just, I've given them to you there on the screen. The first one is just because. If, if you live in a world where death and evil have been allowed to intrude, you are going to suffer. There's gonna be suffering that just happens just because you live in a broken world. And, and so some of the suffering that, that you experience, that I experience, it's, it's hard to, like, to point at and say it's because of this or because of that. It's, like it's just, just because because this is a mess, we live in a mess, and because sin has impacted our world, and, and so we suffer just because. Sometimes we suffer because of decisions that we make. And we make rash decisions, we make dumb decisions, we hurt ourselves in some ways, we, we do some things, we make rebellious decisions against God or against other people that cause things to be hard for us, difficult for us. Like we make decisions that impact ourselves and make life way harder for us than it needs to be. And so sometimes we suffer because of decisions we make. Sometimes we suffer because decisions other people make. That's tough. When you're, when you're suffering because of a decision that somebody else made. And sometimes it's small and sometimes it's really big. 
And, and many of us in the room have suffered and are suffering because of decisions that other people have made. They've, they, have, they have hurt us, they have sinned against us, they have done something that has just been catastrophic in our lives. And, and bearing fruit to this day, and we suffer because of decisions that other people make. And we, we had nothing to do with it other than we just happen to be in the downstream of something that they're doing. And frankly, for all of us, there are people who suffer because of decisions that we make. And so this, this suffering's part of our world because of decisions that get made. God uses suffering as divine discipline. The Bible talks about that, different places that he corrects us through suffering and hardship. When we're enduring suffering, there's ought to be a, like a, a look to the heavens to say, hey, Lord, is this from you? Are you correcting me in some way? Because he's not, like, he's a good father, so he doesn't just sneak up behind you and smack you in the head and then walk off. If, if you're suffering in some way and, and he is in that and behind that and it's corrective for you, if you spend time with him seeking, like he'll let you know if it's from him and what you're supposed to do with that. But divine discipline is definitely one of the reasons that we suffer in our world. And then there's this kind of this last one, God has greater purpose in some things that are just beyond, one of the guys I was reading this week that wrote on this subject called it cosmic purposes. And Two of the two main illustrations of this, the first one is in the Old Testament, the book of Job. If you read through the book of Job, it's immense suffering. Job goes through, he goes through extreme trial and difficulty. And it's because of something that God has going on behind the scenes that nobody, the people on earth can't see and don't know about, but God's got, a, God's got something happening in the heavenly realms. And so there's that. And then the other one that for me sticks out is in the Gospel of John chapter nine, I believe, there was a guy who was born blind. He was about 40 years old when Jesus encounters him. And the conversation as he's meeting Jesus is who sinned, this guy or his parents? Because their theology of suffering at that time was like, if somebody's suffering, it's gotta be because of sin. And so did, did his mom and dad sin and so they had a blind baby or did he sin and is he, being, is he blind now because of your hand, the God's hand of discipline on him? And Jesus said, neither. He's like this so that the glory of God could be revealed and Jesus healed him in front of everybody so this dude that they had known for years and years and years, this was a, they knew this was a legit miracle. This guy, he now can see. And so he spent those years suffering so that there was a witness and a testimony in his day and his time that Jesus is the Messiah, he's exactly who he claimed to be. And so, so there's a multitude of reasons for suffering, but what you and I know in this is none of us are exempt. None of us are exempt. We all go through stuff. We all go through stuff. And, and sometimes it's hard and overwhelming, and sometimes it's just kind of in a little pocket of your life, but we all go through stuff. And when we're suffering, there are a few things that are they're, they're responses that are common to each one of us. So if you're a watcher of people, this is this, these three things, when somebody gets into a difficult situation, whether it's their own deal, somebody's done it to them, we don't know, there are three things that we kinda, that, that we drift towards. The first one is compromise, and often suffering, suffering is connected to, if, if suffering is connected to a line that you're holding, connected to your faith, it's connected to your values, if it's connected to, to who you are, and your 
you're suffering because of that line, it's, it's easy to back off so that the suffering gets alleviated. And if you're suffering for your faith, if you're suffering for personal values, I don't think compromise is a bad thing to look at unless it's something you can't compromise and that you shouldn't compromise. So if you're just being stubborn on something, it's okay. Give If it doesn't matter, give in, alleviate pain. Sometimes pain is corrective, right? So we go on about our business. But, but if we're talking about our faith in Jesus, if we're talking about things that are, that are just straight down the line for us and we know, and this is from the Lord and this is the authority that we live under, then let your, let your suffering prove your faith. And so, so sometimes it compromises is a temptation for us. Sometimes, well, all of us, we have questions. We ask questions when we're in seasons of suffering. I picked these three out of the scriptures. The first one's from the Psalms. Why are you silent? Because when you're, when you're hurting, someone you love is hurting, and you don't see God coming to rescue right now, the question is, like, where are you in this? Where, why are you silent? You have a really big voice. What you say, if you would speak into and if you would speak over this, it would change everything. So why are you silent right now? And that, that question is, it is peppered through the Psalms, which are the prayers of God's people. And it, the, why are you silent? This hurts, this is wrong. This hurts me, it hurts my kids, it hurts these people that I love, Why, where are you? And, and the answer that the psalmist always comes to, like he starts asking the question, why are you silent? But he's suffering in a way that proves his faith and he comes to the conclusion in the psalms end with the statement, but I know you're gonna speak. And when you speak, everything's gonna change because you are the God who speaks into these kinds of circumstances. And so, so that first question about why are you silent, God, the, the next question is do you care? Do you care? It's a real familiar story. It happened to Jesus and his disciples and they're, on, they're in a boat and they're on the lake and the waves and the wind and the disciples are afraid that they're gonna capsize and they wake, Jesus was asleep in the front of the boat. It's one of those amazing stories. And they wake Jesus up, and their question they ask him is, Lord, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? You care about this. And it's remarkable what Jesus does in that moment is that's when Jesus stands up and he speaks to the wind and the waves and he calms everything down. And then he speaks to faith development that's needed in the guys who woke him up and said, Hey, do you care? He cares. And, and so that question, these questions, it is okay to ask questions when you're struggling. We all do it. Don't hear me, don't hear me giving you a hard time if you're in the middle of, of something really difficult and you're asking some questions about it because doubt is not the opposite of faith, okay? We think, like we can think that doubt, if, like, if I'm doubting, if I'm asking some questions, if I'm struggling right now, that that's the opposite of faith, but it's not. What's the opposite of faith is disobedience. It's, it's letting those questions take root in your heart and lead you to a place where you're saying no to who God is and what he's asked of you. But if you're struggling and you're asking these questions, these are, 
These are good questions to wrestle through so that your suffering proves the genuineness of your faith. And then that last one I've got there, are you the one? So John the Baptist, he is the forerunner of the Messiah, is his title, which means he's the guy who goes before the king to announce the king is coming to town. And the forerunner of the Messiah, the forerunner of the king, what everybody expected was when he showed up and said, the king is coming to town, make way for the king, that everybody makes way for the king and the guy who is heralding that good news, that arrival is also going to be received well and treated honorably. And what John the Baptist got for his ministry of heralding the Messiah, make way for the king, was he was sitting in prison, one of the political leaders that day. And he sent his disciples to Jesus to ask the question, are you the one? Because this is not turning out like any of us expected. And here I am in jail awaiting execution. I'm supposed to be received, welcomed, honored because of who I go before. And Jesus to John's disciples, Jesus said, it, was, it wasn't cryptic, it sounds cryptic to us. He said, just go tell John, blind see, deaf hear, lame walk, all the stuff that all the prophecies predicted about the Messiah, like all that stuff's happening. Yes, Jesus saying, I'm the one. And then as they left, Jesus looked at the crowd and he said, hey, blessed is the one who does not stumble because of me. And again, suffering in a way that proves the genuineness of your faith that, okay, I'm gonna ask this question and I'm gonna struggle with this and I'm gonna listen to this answer and I am not going to let this suffering, like I'm just gonna hear Jesus say, blessed is one who does not stumble on account of me because I'm not doing what you want or I'm not doing it the way you want it. I'm not gonna stumble, I'm not gonna fall. And so these questions, they're important questions to think through. They're important questions to wrestle through. The questions you're asking in your darkest days, ask them to the Lord. He'll speak into that. And then the last one is deception. This is common, and you've got to know whose voice you're hearing in your head. Um, Satan will show up when you're suffering. Satan will show up, and he will ask you questions about God. And he'll say things to you like, hey, if, if God really loved you, he wouldn't let you suffer like this. Like how, how could a loving God let something like this go on in your life? Or if, if God really is all powerful like he claims to be, like if he's, if he's really as, as strong as he says he is, reveals himself in the Bible, if he's really got that kind of power, then why hasn't he stepped in and stopped this? And, and so what the enemy of your soul will do to you is he will, he will come to you and he will deceive you, he will attempt to deceive you by attacking who God is and what God is willing to do. And, and again, I say to you in those circumstances to, to suffer in a way that proves the genuineness of your faith. You've gotta, you gotta know whose voice you're listening to in those moments. And so these, are, these are common things that happen to us in seasons of suffering. And I just wanted to like raise those things up for you so that you had a chance to, to know. And if you're experiencing that right now, maybe some light gets shined on that for you, that this, this is common to all of us in difficult seasons. So how do you make it through? 
right? So how do, you, like, how do I suffer in a way that proves the genuineness of my faith when, when it is really dark and I've got these questions and I've got this attack from the enemy of my soul? Like, how do I make it through? So what I wanna do is just real fast, I wanna give you four habits to nurture, to cultivate, to continue to press into through seasons of suffering. And if you're not in a season of suffering right now, I would offer these habits to you as something to start today so you don't have to start them in the dark. Like you can start them in the light. And so I wanna give you these four habits then I wanna talk with you about five different things about, that are true about God in the midst of all our suffering. So the first habit that is absolutely essential if you're going to suffer in ways that prove the genuineness of your faith is corporate worship. It's being together with other Christian people to be to be in environment like this, participating online, to be with other Christian people who believe what you need to believe, who are receiving what you want to receive. I mean, many of you know, Marie and I are going through some stuff with one of our grandkids right now. I sit in that corner over there some weekends and I cannot sing what is on the screen. But you guys sing it. And you sing it for me. And I appreciate that so deeply. And I know I'm not the only one. Some weeks we... We, you sit here and whatever's going on in your life, like you just, you just can't, but we can. And that's the reason that it is essential in, in dark times to, to stay plugged in to corporate worship because we will do things for each other that I can't do alone. I need my church and you need your church. And so we stay plugged in to corporate worship so we can carry each other along so that our faith is proven in the midst of suffering. The second one is spiritual friends. To have, to make, to stay connected to spiritual friends. When, when you're suffering, the great temptation is to isolate. Right? You, you have these questions going on, you've got this temptation to, at least about who God is, and this temptation to either compromise or these deceptive thoughts that are being targeted your way, and the great temptation is to isolate yourself and maybe go wrestle through all that, or if I can just crawl in the cave and suffer for a little while, somehow it'll get better. It really won't. Isolation is, isolation is the worst thing you can choose in difficult circumstances. The Bible tells us that Satan, the enemy of your soul, is he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. And if you've ever watched lions hunt, it's, it's the ones that break off from the herd that get eaten. It's, it's, a, it's a gruesome word picture in the scriptures that is huge warning to all of us. Isolation's a bad spot. Isolation's a bad spot. You need spiritual friends. You need people who are alongside of you, who are with you, who will, who will let you suffer with them. We all know that when we're suffering, we're really messy. And, and to have friends that you can be messy with and you can be messy on and they're just gonna wipe it off and we're, we're all gonna keep going this way together. So spiritual friends, being with spiritual friends, incredibly important. Honest conversations with God. Honest conversations with God. Whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling, whatever questions you have, he can handle it. He has really big shoulders, he has really thick skin. You will not be the first person who said things to him that, that you're struggling with, you're trying to figure out that you don't know that you want from him and you don't understand. like The Psalms, God, why are you so far away? He's not. Theologically, we know he's not. He's right here. But God, why are you so far away? It sure feels like you're a long ways away. You can have those honest conversations with God. 
You can tell him what's in your heart, what's on your mind. You can express that to him and then you should sit and listen to him for a little bit and see if he'll speak into that and speak over that because God has been known to speak into suffering and change everything. We talked about it a few weeks ago in second, when we were going through 2 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul, he's got this, he was suffering in some way, he calls it a thorn in his flesh and three times I sought the Lord on this thing. Like I got before the Lord and I'm asking him to take this away from me and he says, the Lord speaks into that and says, hey, my grace is sufficient for you when you're weak, that's when I get to be really strong. And it was that statement that changed everything for the Apostle Paul and God does that for his people. And so to get in front of him and to have honest conversations with him about where you are and how you're feeling about this stuff and to lay that at his feet and let him speak into and speak over that. And so to continue to stay before the Lord with, with the temptation to compromise, with the questions that you have, even with those, those deceptive thoughts are being like to put, just to let all that, let all that sit before the Lord until he speaks into and speaks over that. And then the fourth habit is to serve somebody else. To serve somebody else. When, you, when you're going through a difficult time, do you not hear me being critical of this? It's really easy for it to become all about you because it's hard. Sometimes it's all you can do just just to get up, to get out of bed, to make it through to whatever the next thing is. And, and we're not made to live that way. So for a little bit, maybe it's just like, it's just gonna take that. And I'm not talking about it has to be some grand service project or some grandiose deal. It can be, as, it can be small as kind words to somebody, writing a thank you note to somebody, acknowledging somebody for what they've done. It could be that small if that's all you've got, but to serve somebody else so that you're, you're beginning to pull your eyes off yourself and off your circumstances and to put them onto somebody else that is made in the image of God that, that you can be a blessing to. And God will use that to blow some wind into your sails. So those are, those are four habits right there to continue to press into. And then let me just share with you real fast, these, these are five things that you need to know about God in these seasons of suffering. And the first thing about him is that he did not create circumstances of your suffering. Okay, he didn't do that. You and I did that. Adam, our first father, Eve, our first mother, they opened the door to, to sin and death. And so the circumstances that you and I are enduring that cause pain for us, those were not created by God. And, and he doesn't deserve the blame for that. Now, let me say this. He does sit over all your circumstances. He is sovereign over all your circumstances, and he is your father. So, so he will use your circumstances and he will step into those circumstances as you invite him into them, but he did not create the circumstances of your suffering. Second thing that's incredibly helpful to me through dark seasons is that Jesus is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Isaiah the prophet, I think it's in chapter 53, says that about Jesus. That he is a man of sorrows and he is acquainted with grief. He knows what you're experiencing. He just knows what we're experiencing. That, that this would be one of the defining statements of who he is in the scripture. He's a man of sorrow and he is acquainted with grief. He knows our suffering. He entered into it and, and he entered into our suffering and not, he didn't just walk a mile in our shoes, he took our suffering on himself. He came to this earth and to suffer for us, to take our suffering on him. Again, Isaiah says it, by his stripes, we get healed. And so, 
So the solution for you and for me in our suffering is, is to run to Jesus who has come to be our healer. He, he entered into it and he took our suffering on himself so that he can be our healer. And as he's healing you, you gotta know that he's with you in your suffering. Emmanuel, the name the prophets gave to him is God with us. Like God came to be with us and he remains with us, the presence of his spirit in our lives, who is our comforter, who is our guide, who he is, he is with you in this. He's with you in this. And even in those moments where, where you wonder and the people who know and love you and see your circumstances wonder, God, where are you? When that's a fair question based on all you can see, what you gotta know is there's some stuff happening that you can't see. And part of that is that this Jesus who loves you enough to take your suffering on himself so that he could be your healer, he's with you in this suffering. He's with you whatever it is that you're going through. And what he's doing for you is he is turning your suffering into good and glory. He's turning your suffering into good and glory and he will redeem, and one of my favorite terms, my friend Will Davis coined as far as I know, he will over-redeem it. The stuff that you're going through, if, if, you, will, if you will hang on to him and you will let him, like you will stay close to him because he's staying close to you. He will, take, he will take this dark stuff in your life and he will speak life and light into it. And you will experience his life and light in your suffering and not only will he do that for you, he will, that's redemption, he will rescue you there and he will over redeem, meaning He's going to use you in the life of, of somebody else who's in a similar circumstance. You're gonna be standing next to somebody who's, who's suffering in the way that you have suffered. You know their pain. And you're gonna look at them and be able to say, you know what, the Lord is in this. And you have really good days ahead. And so there's, there's ways that you and I, these are five things to know about God, that these are the kinds of things that keep us suffering in a way that proves that proves the genuineness of our faith. And, and when we suffer in ways that prove the genuineness of our faith, in this life, we get to experience a little bit of it, but in the next life, praise, glory, and honor, your and my suffering will be totally worth it. So what I wanna do is I wanna pray for us, and then I've got some questions for reflection, but I, I wanna pray a prayer of just grace and peace and blessing over those those who are hurting. So if you'd please bow your head and close your eyes with me. So Father, we acknowledge our part in the, in the suffering that goes on in our lives and in our world. And we are convinced that you are over that and that you are with us. That you are good that you are all powerful, that you take stuff that is, that is shattered and you put it back together, you, you take stuff that is dead and you make it come back to life, that you are the giver of, of life and that you are the giver of peace and that you are the giver of hope and that we have a future that is beyond our ability to comprehend. And so I pray for myself and I pray for my friends 
participating in this service and who are hurting. I pray that you would speak your grace, your peace, your life into their circumstances. I pray that they would know from you that you are with them, that you are in this, and that you are doing really good things through it. And I pray that by your grace and your power, we would be able to suffer in ways that prove the genuineness of our faith. And Jesus, we know as we do that, you receive praise, glory, and honor from us and from the people who are seeing our suffering. And we're really grateful that you would give praise, glory, and honor to make our suffering worth it. May we be able to hold on to that and trust you to do what you say. And I pray these things in your name, amen. All right, so let me give you a few questions here. Just discussion after this service, whenever you happen to have it. So I've got five questions for you to go real quick. Number one, have you ever experienced suffering being worth it? It doesn't have to be anything big. It could be like, hey, I was on a diet for six months and I lost this much weight or I decided to run and I, you know, so you think about the suffering in your life or I, grad school was horrible, but I got this out of it, so suffering. Second question, does the presence of evil or pain in our world cause you to question or doubt? And if so, what do you do with those questions or doubts? It's a little deeper question there. Um, when you're in a season of suffering, are you more likely to be tempted to compromise? You have questions, you're gonna flirt with the temptations to the deception about God? Something else, what's, what's that look like for you in those seasons of suffering? And then the next two questions, what does Jesus being a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief mean to you in your suffering? I just throw that out there because that, that means so much to me. And then the last one, what comes to mind when you think about praise, glory, and honor when Jesus returns? Maybe you have little questions or celebration there in, uh, in your conversations, you have those. So thank you guys for being with us worship this weekend. Moms, we love you. We're proud of you. We are for you. Uh, may God bless you. And um, I love you guys. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.